Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you, 8.30, always the best looking service. Don't tell you the other services, okay, but you're just the best looking service. Hey, listen, I wanna jump right in, and I just wanna say, first of all, I believe it was William Ward, uh, the American poet, who said something along, the, I'm, I'm gonna kinda mess it up a little bit, but basically, being thankful and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. Being thankful and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. I just wanna take a moment and just say, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for what God has done through you, for me and my family, uh, to see my daughter serving at the Nacogdoches location today, my son serving on one of the cameras today at the Lufkin location, my wife going back and forth because our kids are in both and serving the way that she serves so well. This is not just a church we get to pastor, this is a church we get to do life with, it's a church that my kids, it's the only church my kids know. And I just am so grateful and thankful for every dream teamer that is in every corner of all of our rooms. I'm thankful for you, Mount Enterprise, those of you that are still kicking the tires because a lot of change is coming and we're gonna be reopening in the next couple of weeks and you're figuring out, is, you know, where am I gonna fit in? I'm thankful for you trusting us with what God's gonna do in Mount Enterprise. Groves, we're in the throes, Groves, of construction. And in a few weeks, we'll be reopening the doors, launching big, reaching many, many people that are far from God. Thank you for your trust in us. I just am so grateful for what God is doing and I cannot wait to see what God does next. Duncan and Dieball, we love you. Thank you, I'm thankful for you that you would take time out of your week there in the Correctional Center to spend time with us and let us invest in you. That is a joy of us. It's a joy of our heart to be able to invest back into you. God's not done, he's got more to do. Amen, everybody? Well, let's jump back in. We are in our series, When in Rome, and Paul, who has given us the Constitution of Christianity, broke down the whole book of Romans into these five major sections of sin, the stuff that's my way over God's way in any way, into how do you get saved? It's the solution for sin. Sanctification, how do we live that out? The sovereignty of God, that he is who he is, and, and he does what he jolly well pleases, and we're not God. And we love to kind of get into that position. Uh, into service. The first part of this whole series has been how we believe. Like, how are we gonna stand on those promises? You gotta know the promises. And then, how do you flesh it out? This final part of service is how we behave. And this part, this final part, kicked off a couple of weeks ago in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to now make a mad dash. We have turned third and we are running home towards the finale of this series we've been in since April. And, and uh, if you're just joining us, it's okay. Each one of those messages stand on its own. And as we jump in today, we're gonna actually talk about the number one characteristic of a believer. And as everybody knows, the number one characteristic, like to know if you're truly a believer, we all know this, you know this, I mean, everybody knows it. It's a picture of your coffee and a Bible on social media. If you will just post that sometime during Thanksgiving, people will know you are who you say you are, right? Of course not, no, that's not it. No, it's, it's actually faithfulness, write it down. No, actually, it's not faithfulness, it sounds good. It sounds like a good characteristic, and it is, but it's not the number one characteristic. Oh, could it be 
good works. Well, faith without works is dead. We wanna behave. We don't wanna just know what we believe, but we wanna be doers of the word, but it actually is not good works. Could, could it be your prayer life? That maybe your prayer life is the number one characteristic. Prayer is the key to everything we should do and everything we should be, but it's not even your prayer life. So when we consider the number one characteristic of a believer that Paul now is gonna unpack over the rest of Romans chapter 12, he shows it to us and Jesus confirms it. Jesus is the one who shows it really ultimately, but the number one characteristic of a believer is love. It's love. Jesus said in John 13, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you go to church, if you pray louder than the other person. No, you'll know, other people will know you're a disciple, a follower of me, if you what? Love one another. And here's the good news. Like this kind of season, it always tends to pull out some of the best in us and some of the worst in us when it comes to the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. And it's a little easy when we're talking about loving my friends. And part one of Romans 12 is all about loving my friends and how to love my friends well. And we all wanna do that. And we're appreciative and thankful and so grateful for the love that we felt from our friends and family. But he also talks about loving my enemies. What? Huh? No! Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. But yeah. Part one's loving my friends, part two's loving my enemies, and the truth is you put love into practice, not by feeling love, not by thinking love, not by you know wrapping yourself in love, not by singing and humming your own worship songs. You put love into practice through relationships, and that is the good relationships and even the strained relationships. The relationships you're so grateful for that you say, Thank you, God. And then the relationships you have and you say, oh, dear God. So we're gonna break that down into two parts today and we'll start with the first part of loving my friends. Now, here's what we're gonna do. I just wanna, I wanna read the scripture over you and I, I believe in the power of just scripture. Whether I preach a sermon or not, I believe that the Holy Spirit can take the breathed word of God and by truly, truly allowing it to marinate our hearts, to truly allow it to pour over us uh, spirit, mind, and even body, there's something powerful about, about the word. So let me just read it to you, and then we'll unpack it. Romans 12, starting with verse eight. Love must be sincere. Pause. As I read it, don't read that Paul is writing to someone else. This is God speaking to you through the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit's speaking to us today. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Pop quiz, you ready? Let's check this out. Here we are, pop quiz. <sighs> how am I doing? No, 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 I'm not asking you how I'm doing. I'm asking you to ask you, self, how am I doing? How am I doing? How am I doing with all those characteristics of love? Are you hot or are you not? What I've done is I've put some emojis to help kind of define, you know, help kind of, kind of you know, uh, situate your own self-inventory. Because here's the deal, listen to me close. You can read every single self-help book on every single self-help shelf in every single library. But if you cannot read yourself, you'll never grow. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna read ourselves a little bit. We're gonna do some spiritual inventory. We're gonna go through the grocery list of love instead of cranberry sauce and stuffing and whatnot. We're gonna go through the grocery list and see, have I, have I purchased these items? Have I proven these items? Am I, am I working with these items in my own life? And the, the whole uh, test is not gonna be an A, B, C, D, F. It's more like, this is totally me rocking it out. Kind of me, Ooh, I can do better. Hmm, I'm not sure, and whoop, not me, okay? So we're gonna go through, there's eight elements, eight ingredients Paul unpacked, let's do them together. The first one is, am I sincere? Am I sincere, number one? Love must be sincere, and so before you grade, before you grade, let me qualify it, because it may not mean what you think it means, okay? Am I sincere? You know what a hypocrite is? Hypocrite, the word hypocrite is, is the name of an actor on a stage in Greek. And the actor on the stage that was a hypocrite would play out a part, but then would change scenes and put a mask on and play the other part. And by playing the other part with a mask, this was a hypocrite. And so sincerity is masks off. Masks off. It means that I'm not phony. Are you you all the way down with those around you? It doesn't mean, listen, listen, you don't have to be completely transparent with everybody. You ought to put some tint on that glass. That's okay. That's okay. I don't have to be like completely wide open with every single person. I don't trust every single person. Trust is earned, not just given. But I can't be phony. Any masks I'm wearing with some people, afraid of what they would do if they really saw the real me. You know, another, another element is that it's not flattery. There's no fake kisses, okay? I, I find it so ironic that the way that Judas, one of Jesus' own, would betray Jesus, not with the point of a finger, but with a kiss. And I wonder how many of you have felt betrayed before, not with the pointing of a finger or even a cold shoulder, but even with a sign of fake love. So, am I sincere? When I'm sincere, I'm practicing vulnerability. When you think of the word vulnerability, what comes to mind? 
What's the image that you have of someone vulnerable? Is it someone cold and shaking and needing of, of help? And, and, and is that vulnerability? No, that's not even what vulnerability is. Vulnerability, Brene Brown talks about how she was giving a talk about vulnerability and, and the person doing sign language in her talk, she said, hey, how do you do sign language for vulnerability? And, and when she did the sign language, she said, here's what vulnerability looks like. There, here's, it, it's like weak in the knees. And she goes, oof, that's not what I mean with vulnerability. She goes, well, there's another way to sign that, and it's, and it's this. Like opening myself up. Do you practice vulnerability? So number one, am I sincere? Oh yeah, 100, baby. Hmm, kinda. I'm not really for sure. It's gonna be a good conversation for you to have at Thanksgiving. Hey, thank you, Lord, for this meal. Am I sincere? <laughs> Careful who you ask unless you sincerely wanna hear. <laughs> or yeah, that's not me, okay? Next, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. This whole idea of honoring. Number two, do I honor others? What does honoring even mean? How do we truly honor? Honor doesn't mean just like, you say yes sir and yes ma'am. That's, that's being polite, that's manners. Honor your father and mother. That, that doesn't just mean just do what I say when I tell you with no back talk. Here's, how, here's a way you go beyond those very base elements of honoring. Number one, you listen actively. What is listening actively? How many of us, me included, when you're listening to someone, you're listening to respond to them. You're listening just so you can respond. That's not really listening actively. Listening actively is more not just listening to respond, but listening to actually hear them to like understand what they're saying. Do you listen actively? I can find myself listening to someone, but seeing seven other things going on in the lobby at the same time. I have to work on that. I have to work on giving my best attention. It is honoring when you give someone your attention. You don't just stand at attention, you give them attention. Another way you do that is through verbally celebrating others. It's one thing to be thankful for somebody. What did I already mention? Being thankful and not expressing it is like wrapping a gift and not giving it. Are you truly expressing thanksgiving, celebrating others? You keep what you celebrate. Somewhere, write it down on your notes right here. I keep what I celebrate. You wanna keep your kids around, celebrate them. I don't mean keep them like when they're 27 in your basement, that, you know. I mean, just celebrate, you know, you keep relationship with it. I keep what I celebrate. I reproduce what I reiterate. I reproduce what I reiterate. How many times I gotta tell you? Well, a few more times. Here's another one. I deserve what I tolerate. That's the 27-year-old in your basement. <laughs> I keep what I celebrate. I reproduce what I reiterate. I deserve what I tolerate. And verbally celebrating others is one way to honor them. Can you celebrate someone that hasn't celebrated you in a while? Can you just give thanks for someone? Can you actually let them know? Send them a text, write them a card, give them a phone call. Let this season be truly one of love through relationships. Great it. How you doing? You honoring? You listening? You verbally celebrating? Okay. Next one. Am I contagious with? I, I don't, I don't wanna know all your secrets. <laughs> Am I contagious with what? Um, 
I can tell you, some of us are, cont some of us are contagious with criticism. It is a highly infectious disease. You get around certain people in your life and they're critical and you're like, they start going, can you believe that person? And you're like, and you get the, you get the contagion too. You just love to be critical of everybody because someone else is like, it's highly infectious. No, 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 no. Am I contagious with enthusiasm is what Paul says. Am I contagious with enthusiasm? Look what he says. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Fervor is, is a word that in the original language means warmth. It's warmth. Like when people get around you, do you warm the thing up or you cool the thing off? Warm is the coolest cool. When we're warm people, we're inviting, we're welcoming. Um, how's your enthusiasm? And listen, look what Paul says. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. How do you keep that warmth? Serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor by serving the Lord. So enthusiasm, this whole zeal, understand that it's not a personality type. You don't, get, you don't have to become an extrovert to be enthusiastic. But you can't use your introvertedness or your quietness to be an excuse to not have any zeal or warmth. You can't be like, you know, a rock. And I don't mean foundation. I don't mean solid. I mean just like no personality. So that's just not the way I am. I just kind of, you know. But listen, here's the way you do it. Go. It's a warmth and excitement in my life that flows from serving the Lord. That's enthusiasm. So do you have to have enthusiasm by having the right personality type? No, you are you. God made you. That's special. We need fingers and arms and elbows and toes and, and, and lips. We're all part of the body of Christ. We all serve different purposes, but here's how you serve the Lord. Saved people serve people. If you're not serving people, it's very difficult for you to actually show the fruit of serving the Lord. We serve the Lord by serving people. If you haven't had the opportunity or made the opportunity because you have had the opportunity because we give it to you every first and third of every single month except July and December to go through starting point, join a dream team, serve the Lord. It's not about handing out a worship guide. It's not about running a camera. These are ways we simply serve the Lord with gladness and enthusiasm and zeal. And we serve the Lord by serving others. This is your chance, this is your time, this is your opportunity. 2023 is gonna be in the books. Can 2024 be a, a season in your life where you serve the Lord by serving people, not just outside the church, but inside the church by joining a dream team? All right, how you doing with enthusiasm? Give yourself a grade. Snapshot, you don't have to overthink it. I know some spouses are already nudging their other their spouse. I said their other spouse. I don't know if you have, that's interesting. It's happened. It's, it's a big church. <laughs> Which service are you going to? <laughs> it happens. Anyway, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I'm, I'm just gonna jump right in there that joyful in hope, are we, we're usually joyful when things are good, when things aren't good, it's hard to be. Patient in affliction, I can be patient when things are, are great, but when things are not good, what about faithful in prayer, consistent with putting things towards God instead of just thinking it through in my mind or putting it out there on social media? Give yourself a grade. Am I positive, patient, and prayerful? Is that how people would describe me? Or am I 
frustrated, impatient, and talkative. How do I really engage? Let's keep going. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Notice the word, number five. Do I practice hospitality? Well, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, we're gonna get together. No, 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 that's, that's game day. That's game day. That's a duh, okay? You don't practice on game day, you play the game on game day. Practice is when nothing's really on the line, but you wanna improve. Practice is something that is in the in-between. Practice is what makes permanent. You can be hospitable in moments, but the only way to make that permanent is through practicing hospitality. And some people will show that through the meal that they'll cook or a gift that they'll give or the words that they'll say or the lawn that will be mowed or, 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 or the, um, the way that they'll wash the dishes after. However that is, people practice it in different ways. Are you practicing hospitality? Give yourself a grade. How good are you? And can I just say that like that whole hospitality, that hospital, there's something about our hospitableness, our hospitality that is a healing agent to people. Notice the word hospital in there. There's just something about being a safe place where people can find healing and hope and help. I remember going into surgery and uh, when I came out of surgery, it was a knee surgery. As I was waking up, I couldn't open my eyes quite yet because, man, that, that, the drugs hit me hard. I was like, can I bring that home? <laughs> That's a good nap. And there was, there was, a, uh, there was a nurse that they had a, um, a, a rag and they were kind of doing this on my face. And they were talking to me. And it just, the, the, their hand, it was so kind and so soft. And I couldn't see them. I think it was a woman, um, I, I hope, because it made me feel really, really, really good. Um, but, 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 but even if it didn't, that's okay. It's okay, it's okay. They were practicing hospitality. And all I could say was, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, I was drugged, but I, I mean, I was just like, oh, thank you. And as I left, I, re, I thought of, man, I wonder, I mean, that was like the hands of Jesus for me in that moment so caring and so kind. Your hands can be the hospital to people. Gotta practice hospitality. All right, I want you to get your phones out though. Everybody get your phone. In church, yeah, I, you already have it out anyway. Don't even act like you don't. Okay, can't go 13 seconds without seeing whatever. I want you to take a picture of the next slide. If you can, all locations, I want you to take a picture. Uh, if you don't take the picture, it's okay. We're gonna post it on, on uh, social media. But this is for you. I wanna give you a hack into deepening your hospitality at Thanksgiving. I'm gonna give you six questions you can ask to elevate the conversation, to strengthen honor, to, to be kind, to be enthusiastic. Six different questions. Can you share a favorite holiday memory from your childhood? What traditions do you wanna pass on to the next generation? What's the smallest thing or the biggest thing you're thankful for? What's a challenge you've overcome this year and how did you do it? Instead of a question like, how about them boys? We all know the answer to that. I don't know, quite yet. Actually, we all know it's gonna be great until it's not. What's some of the best advice you've ever received? What are you hoping to achieve by this time next year? Simple questions that get into the conversation, elevate the conversation. Okay, take the pictures and let's go. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Huh? What? 
I gotta be wise with my words. Am I? Am I wise with my words? Bible says words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You get to choose. You choose. Am I wise with my words? Oh yeah, that's me, 100. <laughs> I wish. I need to be wiser. I need to be bud, <laughs> wiser. Anyway, so am I appropriately sensitive to their situation? Scripture says it like this, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Some of you are gonna have empty chairs for the first time this Thanksgiving. Uh, from a loss in the family because of a split relationship or a loss in the family because of eternity. Um, are we giving the right amount? And it's okay to mourn with those who mourn. We don't have to just put on a cheery face for everybody. It's okay to walk with people in their stuff. It's also important that we rejoice with those who rejoice and, and, not, and not allow their excitement to kind of tick us off because we're not experiencing what they're experiencing. It's good to kind of connect and be appropriately sensitive to their situation, understanding where we are and understanding where they are. Give yourself a grade. I'm appropriately sensitive to people in their own situation, okay? Number eight, this is the linchpin, okay? This is the one that kind of like uh, destroys it quicker than anything. Am I proud? Am I proud? Not like I'm proud of my kids. That's a healthy proud, okay? Um, here's how C.S. Lewis says it. Okay, like pride becomes before comes before destruction. Pride says me first. Seek God first. Seek his kingdom first. But pride says me first. Everything in me, me. I wanna do it. I wanna decide. I wanna have the final say. That's pride in our life. C.S. Lewis said it like this. Pride is spiritual cancer. It's spiritual cancer. He goes on to say it eats up the very possibility of love or contentment, or even common sense. I wonder how many of you are still in a fight with a relative over something so flippin' stupid. It started so small, but it's gotten so big because you let pride become a spiritual cancer in your life. Let Jesus cut that cancer out. Humble yourself. He'll lift you up. How am I doing on the pride side? How am I doing on the pride side? Okay. Totally me, kind of me, not sure, not me. Here's kind of your next step, okay, as we shift to part two and finish up today. If, you're, if it's kind of me, it's kind of me, but not really me, what is the 1% better you could be this week? How can you go 1% better? at honoring, being enthusiastic, serving people. One, just 1%. So many times we wanna get 100% better. Okay, just take one step. What's one next step you could take? If, it's not, if you're not sure, <laughs> ask a friend. Hey, will you, will you rate me on these? Oh boy, ask the right friend. You wanna ask the right friend. You don't wanna ask the friend that's always like, oh, 100, 100, 100. And then they walk into their, they get in their car and they're like, you know, as we used to say in middle school, not. Hey, if it's not me, if it's not you, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It's okay. But where do you start with that? 
the way Paul started Romans 12. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because he is so merciful. If this is not you, and this is how you, people know you're a disciple and it's not you, okay, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Say, okay, God, today, I lay myself open to you. Say what you wanna say, search my heart. Find those corners that need cleaned out. I wanna become more and more the kind of disciple that is known by my love. Not by how many scriptures I can memorize, but my love for one another. That's how we love our friends. But do you know that a lot of enemies, enemies, M&Ms, a lot of enemies, they start out as friends. I mean, according to Taylor Swift. But a lot of enemies start out as friends, and it's true. If you think of some people that you're sideways with right now, you consider enemy, chances are, um, maybe there's some that you used to be close and now there's been a wedge. What does it mean to love my enemies? What does this scripture give us? So let's let the scripture pour over us again. And then five ways to love your enemies, not just at Thanksgiving, but let this become consistency in our own life. Consistency is the key. Paul goes on to say, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. He ends all of this great spiritual uh, principles with a huge caution. Don't, don't be overcome by evil. And it's so easy for us to be overcome, to do the wrong thing, to do the human thing, to do the, the evil thing versus the right thing. So he gives us a caution, write it down. Here's the, here's the caution. The caution is this. The evil done to me can cause evil to grow in me. When somebody has done evil against you, it can plant a seed. And if you will water it by, uh, you know, like nursing it and, and, and cursing it and rehearsing it, you just rehearse it in your mind or you curse them or curse it. Or you nurse it, I can't believe it. Like you let everybody else nurse it. It's not fair. You can nurse it, you can curse it, you can rehearse it, or you can reverse it. I'm sorry. That's what you need to do, reverse it. The evil done to me can cause evil to grow in me, so how do I do that? Well, the truth is, here's another caution. When I fight evil with evil, when I repay evil with evil, evil wins every time. So you're only adding into the evil. You're only adding into the darkness. When you repay evil for evil, evil wins, not you, not them, not anybody. The enemy wins. So five simple ways to love your enemies. Number one, don't cut to cutting them out. We are in a cancel culture. We are in a block you culture. We're in a cold shoulder, speak to the hand, 
culture. Oh, you don't like, okay, fine. Well, I'm just gonna shut it off. And you may not say to people, go to hell. But do you know what that really is what hell is? Hell is the total absence of his presence. And you may be the hands and feet that some people need, even those that you may not necessarily consider friends. Are you cutting them out too quick? There are some boundaries, we, there are healthy boundaries in life, healthy boundaries in relationships. But like, don't cut to just cutting people out. That's what the world does. That's not what God does. Number two, do your part. Do your part as far as you can, as far as you can. Like you can't be expected to make every single thing work, okay? Like as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So what that means is you don't have to send like anonymous posts or, or, or you don't have to like, you know, post it on Facebook. I just wish that this Thanksgiving, you know, somebody that I know would just shut up like, like uh, that's not doing your part. <laughs> well, I wasn't mean to them. Don't be dumb. Like, do your part as far as you can, as far as it depends on you, try to create peace. Number three, stay out of the judge's chair. They let Jesus judge. Stay out of that chair. You got some of you, you are strapped in, baby. Like, you're about ready to take a roller coaster ride in judgmentalism. Click, 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 click. And you are in that judge's chair. Step out. He'll avenge. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly how to judge. Number four, I love this one. Pay them back for the evil they've done. I love that. Pay them back. Woo, yeah, I'm gonna pay you back, baby. But if we do it the way Paul says, <clears throat> don't take revenge. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, pay him back. Eat him. If he's thirsty, pay him back. Don't spit in their drink. Give him something to drink. In doing this, oh, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Yes, I've been waiting to try this out at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm setting this up, baby, when Uncle Frank walks into Thanksgiving dinner. That's not what that means. Martin Luther King Jr. said, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light does that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love does that. When you love someone, there's something that it recognized, like, like even Judas recognized what he had done. Peter recognized what he had did and he went out and he wept bitterly and it caused major change. For Judas, it, it caused such turmoil, he, he took his life. But Jesus didn't repay evil with evil. He loved even in the middle of us not being able to love him back. Pop quiz, pop quiz. How does God pay us back for the evil we've done? Because here's what happens. Remember how pride is that big deal and pride's a spiritual cancer? 
The real big challenge for you and for me is when we hear this message, we think about all the other people that have done evil to us and hardly for a second have you been thinking about the evil you may have caused someone else. For a second, you're not even thinking that way because you are prone and, and by, by default designed for you to think about how other people treated you versus how you may have treated someone else. So how does God pay us back for the evil we've done? Do you know that some would say, here's how he pays us back for the evil we've done, hell. But did you know that hell is not the way he pays us back for the evil we've done? Hell is the way we pay for our own sins. If we wanna choose to pay for our own issues our own way, the fruit of that is eternal separation from the one that sin cannot live in his presence. It's the way we pay for our sins. But the cross is the way he paid for all sin. So how does he pay you back for the evil you've done? He loves you so much, he would spend the most valuable treasure in heaven on you. <laughs> wow. So number five, don't ever forget. I'm not talking about don't ever forget what they did you wrong by. Don't ever forget that hostility. Don't ever forget the way they texted you back. Don't ever forget the way they dropped the ball. Don't ever forget. And it is hard to forget those things, it is. But don't ever forget that the way Jesus paid you for your evil is giving of himself. Husbands, love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Christ was torn apart for the church. Love your wife that way. You love your wife that way? When it says wives submit to your husbands, what wife wouldn't want to submit and yield to a husband that would be willing to be torn apart for them? Because that's what love does. That's who love is. Don't ever forget so that even in your enemies and your friends, you'll remember to forgive. Because when I can see and experience the forgiveness God gave to me on the cross, from that love, I learned to love. Love my friends better. And as far as it depends on me, love my enemies too. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Can I just say something over you? Nobody scores all 100 because you aren't sincere and you don't always honor and you're not gonna be enthusiastic enough and you're not gonna be prayerful enough and you're not gonna be thoughtful enough. You're never gonna be enough. Good news, he is all of these things. If you will lean into him, you become more like him and you learn how to truly love. Is that what you need today? Lean into the arms of Jesus today. For some of you, there's an enemy and it's real and it's hurtful and it's gotten you all wrapped up and you're spending your energy in a vengefulness. You gotta let that go, you gotta forgive. 
got to give it to Jesus today. How many times are you going to have to do that? Well, 70 times seven, it's going to take a while. But today, let this be number 312. Let this be number nine. Let this be number four. I forgive them. I let go of this. I'm going to live at peace. I'm going to love people because that is what God has called me to do because it is who God is. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.